0: A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 28. Meanwhile, Jacob left Bathsheba and travelled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you
1: everything. I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Lux. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth.
2: Do you know what's really interesting? I'm going to embarrass all of you over there, if you don't mind me. So um, we had this great idea to build this new church, and we thought we'd remove the pews because nobody wants to sit on uncomfortable pews. Every week, there's like a whole gang on the pews over there. So uh, I'm glad we uh, 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 half a million went into these uh, chairs. So no, you you relax. We get those cushions underneath. So and so, if you're wondering what the youth are doing in here, um, the idea is that they have a little cut. They're going to do like a service review after with Claire over pizza. So we're going to get. Uh, their viewpoint on what they think about the service. It's quite good, isn't it, really? Now, some of you adults are wishing, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to get in on that, wouldn't I? But, um, yeah, yeah, under 18s only. But also, there are other... T- Dan's looking... In the zone there. The other task is, is that they have to text me certain words that I have to get into my little ten minute sermon, okay? And so if you're an adult here and you think bacon, you think you can pick out, um, baguettes, you can think of the word that I may have slotted in that they use. Nice and warm in here. Have said, uh, then um, you get a prize. You get to have the cakes or something like that. Is that okay? So everyone got that. So, so my phone is going off. It's going off. It's, um, it's young people today, always on screens. Uh, so um, I'm doing all right. Only another 1,467 seconds to go, and the service will be done. So, right. So, um, so we're doing this little series, as you know, on the road. Blah 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 blah. And we looked at uh, a couple of sessions. We've looked at over the last few weeks have been. Uh, we looked at the idea particularly that, that um, God can't move stationary feet. Okay, God can't move stationary feet. And we looked at a number of situations where as people started doing something for God, they, literally they were moving their feet, God intervened and God changed their course. So we looked at Saul a little bit, he was on the move doing stuff, just killing people as you do. Uh, but he was on the move and God changed his direction. And the others we looked at, I can't remember at the moment, but they were all on the move that, and the... Philip and the Ethiopian last week, on the move. And as they moved, God directed them. And so we thought a little bit about guidance. That often we kind of sit still and pray, you know, God, what do you want me to do in my life? What college do you want me to go to? What GCSE should I do? What A-level should I do? What should I do in my retirement? And, And actually, what we discover in the Bible is that as you start doing something... God moves you. As you sit there and worry about it and, and kind of have an angst decision moment, which I'm in full sympathy with, it's very hard for God to guide you. But once your feet start moving and tapping and dancing and you're like someone from Strictly Come Dancing, at that point, God uh, begins to move you. God begins to do some stuff. So, But here's my question, though. What happens? All the people we've looked at so far in the New Testament have roughly been, apart from Paul, uh, kind of been doing good stuff, really. You know, they kind of think they're doing what God wants them to do. What happens, though, if you're on the road and you think or you experience you're on the completely wrong road? You just, you know, you've gone the different way. I don't mean, you know, than your sat-nav. You've gone completely the different road that you thought God would have you go on. And you think, actually, you're not just kind of happened to be on the wrong road with God. You, You actually know what God wanted you to do. You know, for argument's sake, let's say he wanted Freddie to become an ordained priest in the Church of England, as an example, but you willfully refuse to do that and you stay acting forever and you make millions and in the end you end up paying for the repair of the church. So it kind of works out. But what happens, what happens if actually the road you're taking, like Jonah, who went in the completely opposite direction from God, what happens? Does God still guide you? Will he still kind of make use of your life? Will he still do something with you? In other words, when I was growing up, I used to think that kind of the the will of God was like this really small, narrow path, you know, thanks to that one thing that Jesus said. You know, that really small, narrow path, like a kind of country road that you kind of like squeeze in and out, and it's really difficult. And what I'm discovering is that God's will is a little bit wider than that, a little bit bigger. And actually I'm discovering life's more like Spaghetti Junction, isn't it? You, you go, just presented with so many options and you're not sure what to do and you don't know where God's kind of leading you and taking you. Well, what happens if the kind of M, you go down the M5 the wrong way? You know? Will God still, metaphorically speaking, will God still guide you? Well, the great thing is, this passage today in Jacob, Jacob is on the run from God. He's annoyed his brother. He annoys everybody, Jacob, basically, and he's on the run from God, and he's on the run from his brother. He's going completely in the wrong direction. And yet, what happens? Clue's already been given. God meets him, and God encounters him. How exciting is that? How encouraging is that? That you can be doing completely the wrong thing and and actually willfully almost kind of pottering away from God, but God still meets you and still encounters you. You can have those moments where you think, I'm really not sure if I'm doing the right thing here. Or you can have moments where you dare to think, I'm really not sure if I want a bacon baguette or not. But you'll find uh, that even in those moments, God uh, will guide you, that God will meet you. And he met Jacob, and when he met Jacob, two things happened that were really interesting. His pillar, remember he set up a pillar, a pillar became a pillow, there's a lovely little talk on that, but I'm not doing that one, but I just like that. His pillar, that he had, he put a pillar, no one, no, okay, okay, I like it, okay, his pillar became a pillar. Um, anyway, the thing, the two things happen and two things change. The first thing, which isn't one of the two things I'm going to mention, um, so it doesn't count uh, in terms of using up time to preach, is that that he he wakes up and he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. First time church gets mentioned in the Bible, it gets defined as an institution with bishop, priest, and deacon. No. Gets defined as a great big building that's hard to heat. No. It gets defined as what? How awesome is this place? God is here. God's presence, first and foremost, is the definition of church, where Jesus is, most explicitly in the bread and the wine and in one another. That's the thing. But two other things happen which are really important. Two things change. One is place changes and people change. Place change and people change. Did you notice that he renamed the place after God appeared to him? The place name changed in the readings that kasha and joe read to us so um so well there's you you'll notice that place is mentioned four times in that thing and in each of those situations you'll find that in the end that place changes it changes its name when god turns up when god does stuff even if we're on the wrong road what happens is church starts often and places change places change so, do you know what they're going to do around here? The, they, whoever they are, the council. Do you know what the council are planning to do? Um, they're looking to regenerate this whole area, this little top area. And are they're going to rename it. So at the moment, it's the top of Dudley High Street. And do you know how they, what's the name going to be? Don't give it away, Rach. Just just build it up. And uh, uh, St. Thomas Quarter. That's the name of our church. In case you didn't know, we're not actually called Top Church. Uh, it's St Thomas Quarter, with St Thomas and St Luke's Church. So they're naming this place after us. How cool is that? Well, I liked it anyway. I thought it was a, I, I thought I'd take that as a sign. I, you know, I'm desperate. I'd have that. Uh, you know, but it's a sign that cha- places change. I remember. I think I've told you a story. My um, dad was a head teacher. He was actually the head teacher of the school I went to, not not the wises of moves, but it worked out all right in the end um and you saw him last week he, he was here bless him um and i cannot recount the number of stories i had the number of stories i heard from my mates who weren't the most well-behaved uh, people who went to see my dad thinking they'd get in a real a real trouble uh, but actually came out quite changed and impacted because he had listened to their story and the incredible thing about that school Christchurch Christchurch school back in the day in north finchley was through my dad's influence and through the appointment of great staff, the place changed. It was a failing school. As you will know, you never take over a successful school anyway, because it can only go downhill. But it was a failing school, and he turned it around and became a successful school. The community, the place changed. When Jacob encountered God, when God's presence comes, places change. And the second thing, and last thing, um, that changes yeah, it would be lovely to sort of say this for the saxophonist in the background. Do you know what I mean? It would just add to the, um, uh, the, the atmosphere. And, and this is really where the fun begins. The second thing that uh, changes um, is Jacob. His whole view of the world changed. So picture Jacob as we meet him. He's running around. He's just had some pot noodles. and He's running away from his uh, brother. And um, he's scared and he's fearful and he's angry. He's running away from God and all those sorts of things. And suddenly he encounters God and the place changes. But then Jacob himself changes. When God's presence comes in a community, in a church, like it does at the beginning of Jacob's story, places change, but Jacob changed. And he suddenly went from thinking, I'm running away from God, that God's kind of path, as it were, is this small little kind of narrow tiles round down the middle of the church to, this is amazing, God is in this place. Suddenly he saw heaven and earth coming closer. He suddenly had a vision of a cosmic God, of a global God, of a, of a Christ who is everywhere, and every, every uh, decision you make to go down Spaghetti Junction, to go down a different way, whether you know it or not, you will discover and bump into Christ, because Christ is everywhere. And Jacob had a profound change from a a God who was just in one place at one time right over there that he could run away from to a God who was everywhere. And suddenly his future was still anxiety-driven a bit, but still much more full of peace and goodness because he realized there was no God-forsaken places on earth and he could have confidence to go forward and make that change. And that's kind of like what church does in a way, isn't it? That's what church does. We want to change places. We've recently become a, a BMO, which is called a Bishop's Mission Order. And it basically means this, that, that normal Anglican normal churches, their parish is, is just a defined area nearby. So our parish boundary, basically, of our church has changed from just sort of around here to the, the whole of Dudley Borough. So it's quite a big change, really. So if you live in Dudley Borough, you're in our parish. Isn't that good? You're all relieved now. And um, uh, that's because actually we want, to, that's the plan, is to see this place changed through changed people, which is us as we encounter God's presence. So Jacob was on the wrong road, but even when he was on the wrong road, he discovered that God was with him. He encountered God, changed his life, and it changed that place. So my hope and prayer is, a lovely little picture of church life, They're on the road together, changing places and changing people. Should we pray together? Loving God, thank you that even when we sometimes choose to go try to escape you, that you meet us. Thank you that even when actually we go down paths, that we're really not quite sure, Lord, if it's the right one or the wrong one, but you still meet us and carry us. And Lord, we want to thank you when your presence comes, places change and people change. And we want to be that kind of church that sees places change not just on our doorstep here, but across our town, across our borough, in our schools, in our hospitals, in all these different areas. Would your presence come and change places? But we want to be changed people, or we recognize that we're a bit of a mess most of the time. Just keep changing us, that we might reflect more and more the love of Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen.